Never forget this. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about this, ladies and gentlemen. All the race wins I've had in all my life. I remember the champagne. I remember the smell of it, spraying it on myself or the other drivers pouring it over me when I won. I remember pouring it all over my team or my family. Huge smiles, victory, punching the air, shaking hands, fist bumps, the whole lot. When I look back on racing, that's not what, what I think about. What I think about is that little look you and your engineer, or my dad or my mum, give me just before you go on the track, before you go to war. Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, this is definitely going to be a special podcast for me today. This is all about the relationship a racing driver has with his engineer and his team. Now, I've had a very special, very special bond when it comes to racing with my parents and my family. Now, I've had that anyway, with whether racing existed or not, I have that connection, which is wonderful. But this is just something different. We're, we're not talking about family, you know, actual family like your mom and father and uh, brother and sisters like I have. This is something different today. This is like family. This is like blood. This is a very, very special bond that it's very, very hard to, to explain to people the relationship a racing driver has with their chief engineer, the guy in the background. Now, I know a lot of people are watching Formula One these days. Who is the engineer? Who is this guy you're on about? This is the guy that the racing driver is speaking to during the race. Now, if you're watching Formula One, guys, you hear Verstappen, Hamilton, and all the drivers, they're speaking to someone, right? Most of the time, that is their engineer. Well, it should be anyway. <laughs> but most of the time, it's their engineer. There is an incredible... <sighs> this actually kind of gets me quite emotional, I've got to say, because the things that I remember of racing is not the wins, it's not the spraying the champagne over myself or my team or the other drivers standing next to me and smelling that champagne, which is incredible smell by the way. And believe me, that can bring you back if you smell champagne. But what I remember is the look myself and the engineer would give me before you go onto that racetrack about to do battle with others. And you get that wink that they're there with you. And let's do this. You're in the trenches with this guy. And it is an incredibly hard bond to explain to anyone. So let's let's go back. Let, let's start at the start, right? Quite a lot to talk about with this one. How does a racing driver and engineer get so close? Well, the thing with racing drivers and engineers is You've got to get close to them. Now, there's two engineers I've had in my life when I was racing that just an incredible bond with them. Now, I didn't have that bond with the other engineers I've had. Now, I've had maybe, what, seven or eight different engineers, but two really shine. Now, you'd still have quite a bit of a bond with these guys. And by, by the way, guys, 
Anything I'm telling you here, trust me, the Formula One drivers would have the same. <laughs> I can fucking tell you that for a fact. Because it, it, it's, it's hard to explain to people, but believe me, we all know this. And two out of seven, two out of eight, you still would have a bond with the other engineers that you've actually raced with, but just not as, not as deep. You know what I mean? Like with my old engineers, they were in the trenches with you. You're going to war with these guys. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, you're putting your life on your line. Risking your life. You might not come back. They might not see you again. And when I was racing, the cars were a lot more dangerous than, than they are now. And you're putting your life in this guy's hands. So you've got to trust him. You've got, got to have an open communication. And, you know, some people say to me, well, Peter, you know, you, you sound like a fairly level-headed guy when it comes to communicating with when I talk about dating, right? And I talk about dating and ha try and, you know, be honest and open and be self-aware and communicate. Well, I don't know whether it's an actual gift I have. I don't know. Or it's just something that I'm tuned into. Or the chances are I learned that at a young age, communicating with an engineer. You know, it could, it could have been that. It just could have been that. Um, so, how do you get close to the engineers? Well, it all starts off when you sign up with a team. Now, a racing driver will probably, let's say if you're in a racing season, you might start talking to different teams for the next year, right? So, in other words, if I was racing in Formula Ford right now, F O or D, and I'm trying to progress up the ladder, Come August, September, maybe October, you're starting to talk to different teams for the for the, the level up. So in other words, after Formula Ford, you're looking at maybe Formula 2000 in America, which, well, that was the route I went. Or you're looking at Formula 3 in Europe. Right now, especially the British F3 or German F3, they're definitely, they tend to be the best. Are definitely the most, most, uh, most popular anyway. But I think definitely, if you're in German or British F3, that's the way to go. So you're coming from Formula Ford and August, September, October, you're talking to Formula 3 teams or you're talking to Formula 2000 teams in America and Canada. So I mean, that there's a lot of prep to be done. So you're not dealing with the engineer right there and then. You're talking to the team owner, team boss. Can we make a deal? Can we do a deal? Um, and then if you get the deal done, now, of course, with, there's a lot of limits now on testing these days so because they're trying to keep the budgets down. Now, the thing is, if you do get some testing in, you would definitely try and wrap up your, your season in Formula Ford. Maybe get one or two test days during the summertime, right? Which would be great prep work for the year after, right? So in other words, if I'm in Formula Ford in May or June or July, I'm looking to try and get into a practice day and testing in a Formula 3 car or a Formula 2000 card to level up in the next few weeks, few months, in the summertime. I mean, that now, if you can get that, that would that's an ideal scenario that you have. So anyway, um, you know, you may, may or may not meet, meet the, the correct engineer at the time, but you see, sometimes if you're going into a pre-season test day, you might be stuck, you might be put into the number two seat instead of the number one seat. So you mightn't have the engineer that you would have. Because at the end of the day, if you are getting a pre-season test, in other words, if I'm in the summertime, I'm racing Formula Ford. I just want to make sure I'm clear here, guys. 
if I'm racing in Formula Ford and in the summertime, if I get a pre-season day in a Formula 3 car, a whole day of testing, the number one driver might have the number one engineer. Whereas they're not going to risk putting you into the number one car, okay, most times. Because their driver might be leading the championship or chasing the championship. They don't want to risk Peter, let's say, jumping into the car, crashing the fucking thing, riding the car off, damaging everything, and all of a sudden their main driver is coming back into the team. So you mightn't even meet the guy at the time here. So you sign up, you get the job done, whatever, if you're the number one or two driver, you meet the engineer. Now, you'll be doing some pre-season testing, hopefully, if you're prepared and you can get out and test days. And you might do a few test days. And Now, you see, the thing is with test days, it's, it's like a lot of sports where you, you know, you're not pushing, 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 pushing. I mean, really what a racing driver and engineer will do, this is where the relationship really comes in now. The racing driver and engineer are focusing on, or what they should be focusing on, is the basic balance of the car. Now, yes, the racing driver might have to get to grips with the car, right? Get used to downforce or less downforce. God knows what. More engine speed. Now, as a racing driver, give yourself an hour or two and you're fine. You know, you, you should should be, if you're any way decent, you should be used to the grip levels and that at that, fast air, that faster engine speed. So what you're aiming to do is pre-season testing is all about getting the balance of the car. That's it. Now, you maybe go out and do a couple of hot laps, of course. Um, But, you know, you shouldn't be pushing, 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 pushing. You're trying to just build up consistency. That's what a real racing driver would be looking to do. If he's on the ball, you're looking for a balance. Is this good grip level for it? If I do a 10-lap stint, is this good grip? Is the engine speed staying up? Is the engine speed staying up at 200 miles an hour from going into a corner? Or is it actually losing power? Or if I've got too much handling, too much oversteer or understeer, midway through that 10-lap stint, am I losing engine speed at the end of the straight simply because I've got too much oversteer after lap 5? because it kicks in are too much understeer therefore when I'm coming out of the corners it's getting affected affecting the engine speed therefore it affects me down at the end of, end of the, uh, the straight so all these factors are a big thing now relationship between you two is vital at this stage now pre-season testing to me was definitely the most important part without a shadow of a doubt the most important part of being a racing driver it's the preparation that you put into it. It's And not just even the handling of the car or the engine speed of the car you'd be focusing on. There's other things like getting to know the engineer. In other words, can Peter actually be open and honest and communicate properly with the engineer? Is Peter going to lie and just blame the car, which I never did? But there's racing drivers that would do this. They'd blame the car. Oh, it's this and that. Where they really actually can't read a car. Is it understeering? Is it oversteering? So there's a lot of things like this. And your engineer's got to figure out, okay, is Peter a bullshitter? Is he telling me the truth? Does he do a bit of both? And then whatever way you are, you've got to work around that then. So you've got... So it's very important to get to know who you're dealing with as well. You know? Um... I mean, I remember when I was racing in America, 
it was a very funny guy, this guy called John, John Hayes. And by the way, if you're listening, John, big shout out to you. You were, you were a fantastic engineer. Only had him for a day. Um, now, he wasn't my two out of the eight now, okay, because I didn't get to know him that well. But we only had a practice day and he just kept things so simple. You'd come in at the end of a test day or a track day and he would say, um, <laughs> he would say, what did he say? he go, Peter, okay, what's the understeer like? Uh, it's quite a bit. Okay, stop. On a scale of one to five, what is it? As in five being the worst understeer you've ever had. I'm like, uh, three. And you see, I was used to coming from a place where, well, hang on, I can, uh, do you want me to tell you what lap it's coming in? What corner it's coming in? And he was looking at me like I had ten heads. But like, to me, that's exactly what a racing driver should have. Record everything. A racing driver is like a video recorder. You're, rec- you're observing, recording, and repeating everything you find on the track. It is absolute crucial because that can be the difference between winning and losing because if you're doing a 50 lap race, for example, the first 20 laps can be fine. They can go really, really well. But after 20 laps, all of a sudden the tires start to, to overheat or they they start to grain and all of a sudden understeer kicks in. Now, guys, understeer basically, if any, anybody doesn't know, understeer is when you turn into a corner and the car just feels like it's going straight on. So uh, maybe it's hard to explain, but, um, but maybe you can see it when you watch onboard footage of Formula One or any other racing cars. So there is that feeling. You turn into a corner and it just feels like it just goes straight on. It doesn't turn free, in other words, right? Um, so you could have understeer kick in after 20 laps. And all of a sudden then, the car's off balance. So it, it, it's so important that you figure out where the, who, who you are with this relationship with this engineer. Where you are with the car. Can I handle it after 10 laps? Can I handle it after 20 laps? If I do a 20 lap stint and everything's going really well, well then what, af- what happens after the 20 laps? I mean, there's so much to, to delve into as a racing driver um, up to the engineer. And this is where you need to work really, really close with your engineer. And let's, let's not forget, midway through the season, pre-season, at the end of the season, you're putting your life in your hands with the engineer. Now, as a racing driver, you don't go around thinking it, okay? You know, like we know there's danger, but, you know, <laughs> firstly, we love the adrenaline and the danger. I mean, I got to admit, you do love the fucking danger. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge rush, the risk element of it, you know? And hey, you know, God forbid, touch wood. Touchwood, I got out of it alive. I mean, I've known guys who actually died. I've known three guys very, very well. They're all dead, unfortunately. Um, but that doesn't mean it was the engineer's fault. It just they were got they got into accidents on the track, hitting other guys or guys hit other other them. So I'm not saying there's nothing. By the way, there was no engineer's fault for these guys. Um, so it is crucial, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget this. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about this, ladies and gentlemen. All the race wins I've had in all my life. I remember the champagne. I remember the smell of it, spraying it on myself or the other drivers pouring it over me when I won. I remember pouring it all over my team or my family. Huge smiles, victory, punching the air, shaking hands, fist bumps, the whole lot. 
when I look back on racing, that's now what, what I think about. What I think about is that little look you and your engineer, or my dad or my mum, give me just before you go on the track, before you go to war. Because you have a bond with your family, you have a bond with your engineer. Because you know they're as emotionally invested in this just like you. You've got your heart pounding, the adrenaline's flowing, the nerves, terrified to, to see what's going to happen. Um, it, it go, you're going to war, ladies and gentlemen. You really are. And, you know, the next time you listen to Formula One, think about it. Because believe you me, if any racing driver is worth his salt, he's going to have a good relationship with his engineer. And he'd want to have a good relationship with his engineer. And thank God, like, racing cars have got a lot safer these days. Uh, because, I mean, even when in my back, back in my day, we didn't have roll bars. Um, uh, sorry, not roll bars. We didn't have the halos that Formula One drivers, uh, Formula One cars, two, three cars have. We don't. We didn't have them. And I mean, they they've saved a lot of lives in the last couple of years. Thank God. Touch wood for them. Thank God. Um, y- you know, and we just had a, a couple of roll bars on the side of our cockpit. And if you had a big accident, you'd smack your head off these roll bars. And believe you me, (laughs) I've had quite a few. And it ain't pretty. You know, it's just, it's not pretty. It it can be tough. But it's amazing the way things have come come along. And and it's great. It's it's great. It's wonderful. Um, To close this off, I'll put it this way, ladies and gentlemen. The relationship with an engineer, for me anyway, I can, I know I speak for a lot of drivers, but maybe I can't speak for all of them. I'll never forget it, and I will go to my grave thinking about my race engineer giving me that look, giving me that thumbs up, the handshake before you go out on that track, just when you're starting up the engine, and the last person you see is him giving you that wink in the eye. And you can see the nerves in them. They've got hope. They're confident. But you got fear as well. So, my two engineers I really want to call out to, give a shout out to. Roger Parks from England. I love you, sir. And Brian Keenan from the north of Ireland. My two guys that I really, truly did get on with so much. And I love those guys so much. They genuinely are like my brothers. And I'll always cherish you guys. I love you to bits. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I mean, I'm even getting kind of emotional here, I have to say. And, and it's been so long. It's been a long time since I've sat in a car with you guys. And <sighs> I love you guys. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll be back. Cheers. Peter. Wow. 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 Wow.